this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Antonio Mazzaro said something about Yankee Doodle Dandy in a recent podcast that really killed me uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, This is on the Mr. Robot season four premiere podcast. If you haven't watched Mr. Robot, I would advise you to go do that just to listen to the podcast because I laughed harder at that Yankee Doodle Dandy joke than I've laughed at maybe anything ever on a podcast, uh, Wandoff's included. Lost is over, but we have to go back down the hatch. It's the Lost Rewatch podcast here on Post Show Recaps, currently counting down the episode rankings of Lost as rated by the listeners of Down the Hatch. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by my Yankee Doodle co-pilot, Mike Bloom. How dare you pass Josh Wegler? Or should I more so take pity on him of like, you have no idea what's coming? Oh, well, I take pity on present Josh Wiggler because uh, that was the hardest I've ever laughed on a podcast back in, uh, I would guess that that's around October, November of 2019 which should locate us for one of the episodes mm. that we're so, going to talk about you, today. Thank you, for specifically saying we are talking about this particular episode of this show. Yeah, that was helpful. Uh, President Josh Wigger doesn't remember any of that. Uh, it's, that's, <laughs> where the, that's the state of brain. Uh, brain bad. 
Brain oh, bad. No. Uh-huh. Oh no! Isn't that the the co tagline of Severance? Brain bad. Yeah, brain bad. Uh, I mean, that could have worked for Mister Robot as well. Uh, <laughs> I think brain uh, brain bad could have. Uh, that's going to be the sequel to uh, uh, Breaking Bad and Better I was Call say, Saul. Isn't, isn't that Better Call Saul is just going to go turn into brain bad, where it's ma- about a man named Brian who I don't know goes by a sooner name named Brain. Oh my gosh. Uh, our brains are very bad after doing down the hatch for as long as we've been doing it, Mike, uh, for sure. And certainly uh, at least as long, uh, a bit longer, in fact, than when that aforementioned season four of Mr. Robot came out of uh, the fall of 2019 uh, and down the hatch showed up a couple of months earlier than that so we're talking about a season one episode today for sure based on that opening clip uh and i gotta tell you i just have absolutely no idea what that yankee doodle dandy joke that antonio (laughs) made here let me see if i I could text antonio real quick see if he remembers hey antonio it's josh okay well you don't need to say who you are (laughs) i'm texting you while podcasting on down the hatch do you remember a yankee doodle dandy joke you made on a mr robot season four preview podcast once upon a time send uh josh you do really well no rush we'll be here into we'll be here for for how long this is like two hours yeah josh you do such a good job on the circle by the way you do a fantastic job narrating your texts out loud Yes. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, I think of all the reality shows, probably The Circle would be the one I'd be best at because uh, it has the, uh, the, the you know, sort of the, the inside factor of Big Brother that appeals to me to some degree, except you also have like food and comfort and uh, you're shielded from physical interaction with other human beings. Uh, so I do think that I would do decently well on the circle. Um, which lost characters yes. do you think would do the best on the circle? I'm so glad this. I was about to jump onto this topic if you didn't. I mean, now here's the thing. Desmond is used to the isolation. So like that'd be a natural environment for yeah. him. But I don't but know how. Michael, yeah. got, Michael got catfished. So Michael uh, by by someone pretending to be Walt. Unless we believe <laughs> that was actually Walt. Dad, question mark, send. Uh-huh. John Locke also would be bad at the circle. I so feel then by like. proxy would uh, would Anthony Cooper be very good at it? Anthony Cooper Sawyer would be quite good at the circle. I feel like Sawyer now, would, would Sawyer play as himself, or would he play as someone else? Uh, he would certainly be catfishing. Uh, no doubt about it. Kate would also be pretty good. She'd be catfishing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see Benjamin Linus catfish using like Juliet's picture though. Benjamin Linus would be a catfish as well. He's used to that. I'm trying <laughs> when to my of... wife died in that balloon accident. Yeah. Balloon emoji send. Yes. I'm trying to think. <laughs> balloon. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, who would be good as themselves on the server. Probably Hurley. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think Hurley yeah. would be fairly good. I think. Charlie would go in as himself, but nobody would, no one believe, would believe him. him. No one would believe him. And he would just be like, uh, maybe some people would believe because like, it's just the bass player from Drive Shaft. You know, he might be uh, down on his luck enough to go into the circle. I don't know. Considering the experience that we saw, though, I guess that wasn't 
Well, no, someone did go in as Lance Bass, and people didn't believe it was Lance Bass. So, like, Charlie's a few steps down from Lance Bass, in my opinion, more like a Lance Carp. But I think that <laughs> there still be a little bit of recognition there. Should be Lance Catfish, no? I suppose so. Maybe that would be the tagline as he comes in. Like, I'm not, no, I'm no Lance Bass. I'm a Lance Catfish. Uh-huh. Well, this is Down the Hatch these days, everybody, where Mike and I just talk about what lost character or which lost character would do well in the circle. Uh, and then, ostensibly, we eventually get into ranking the episodes of Lost after somewhere in the realm of, like, 15 to 25 minutes of this kind of nonsense. Hint, hint, if you want to just, like, tap that 30-second skip ahead button to get to the good stuff. I got to tell you, I just don't know why you would at this point. Uh, I feel like <laughs> this... what you pay for. This, all, this, is all, this is all the good stuff. Of course, we're going to be ranking uh, episodes 72 through 69 today. Uh, that is what's on the menu, Mike. Um, do you want to talk about anything before we begin that process beyond uh, just the uh, the the lost circle of it all? Isn't the lost circle something? I feel like that's well, sounds... there's the circle which we just uh-huh. spoke about. Uh, right. The lost circle sounds like some a Dan Brown novel. Yeah, it does. Well, that's the lost symbol, symbol. right? Is that yeah. or is it the last symbol? It's the lost uh, symbol. I'm staring at a copy symbol. that was sent to me by Peacock. A uh, signed wow. copy of the lost symbol. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just I'm like it's Stonehenge, the lost circle revealed. But other than that, lost circle really isn't bringing anything. All right. Well, do they do circle Brant steals yet? Does that Not exist yet? yet? I feel like it's only a matter of time. Next time we we are so mindless that we loop around to the exact same topic another three years from now, I'm sure it'll be yep. a thing. Uh, hey, you want to know something that's really fun is we are recording this on April 12th. Uh, happy birthday, April, by the way, of Operation yes. Mattingly, uh, although all month long, it's your birthday. Um, we uh, were recording this on April 12th. The, a, a trailer for a totally different show just dropped today. Uh, we're not going to give major spoilers from it in case you haven't seen the show, but it is one of the most popular shows on the planet. So I think there's a good chance that either you've seen it or you don't really care about the spoilers, we'll still keep it light anyway. Uh, Stranger Things Season 4 is coming to Netflix in two installments uh, this uh, this year. Uh, one at the end of May with, I think, five episodes, and then again in July, started July with the remaining four episodes of Season 4. And Mike, a trailer for the first part of Season 4 dropped today and i think it's especially relevant because you and i podcasted about season three of stranger things uh and we're talking about how we are locating down the hatch in time with talking about mr robot takes us back to october of 2019 season four of mr robot but how's this for some throwbacky stuff season three of stranger things which you and i podcasted about predates down the hatch completely Mm -hmm. We did not I mean, do a single down the hatch uh, and uh, until Stranger Things was done, season three. Yes, yes, but because Stranger Things, we uh, sort of packed into your office at the time in mm-hmm. late June slash early July to bank all those in person. I know you've talked about this prior, that that was sort of like down the hatch beta version and that it was almost like a chemistry test between the two of us to see if we can manage to do a podcast together one-on-one. And actually, I remember... At the time, you were you were talking with me about the sort of Eric Stoltz version of Down the Hatch that you yes. were like currently in the works of doing with your friend. And only a month later did you and I have that conversation about bringing me on board. So yeah, it's like, you know, very slight passings in the night between these two ships. But yes, the last time Stranger Things new episodes were out, 
Josh and I had yet to start this entire exodus through Lost. Yeah, uh, very, very fun to see uh, some return of Stranger Things content now that we are through a full watch <laughs> of Lost. How much Lost do you think we would have to watch between the end of season four and then the start of what I believe is going to be the final season of Stranger Things season five? Do you think we would get through the whole show again? Uh, well, the whole show took us, what, about a year? No, two. Two years. Two two, two, two years, years and change. Four, yeah, two years and four months, just about. I think Stranger Things will release in 2023, maybe. Hmm. I think hmm. that the <laughs> pandemic is something that really yeah. pushed it back a huge amount. And I think now that productions know how to film with all those circumstances, I think that alleviates you know any sort of delays that might happen. So I have a feeling we're going to get it in... May 2023, maybe the beginning of 2024. If Down the Hatch continues past the uh, the episode rankings, Mike, uh, would it be fun to do like a very informal Lost rewatch on the other side of Stranger Things season four? We're much like the Frump dates. We just give updates on what we watched on Lost. <laughs> we spend like five minutes on an episode of Lost, but we're just trying to see who gets the over and the under on. Did we finish our one week at a time Lost rewatch in Frump date fashion before Stranger Things season five came out? Because I bet we finish it. That would be my guess. I will admit, Josh, if my wife catches me watching Lost... <laughs> And I say it's not for a uh, podcast. Uh, I will be fully kicked out of the house. I will be on the street. Uh, <laughs> All right, scrap it. It's a fun idea, though. She will uh, yell at me saying, why are you still watching this? You're not even talking about it anymore. Well, we'd be talking about it for like five minutes a week, which would <laughs> balloon would out worse. to a half hour a week. <laughs> it counts. It'd be even worse. Gotta count. But let, let us also say, uh, and this is, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right place to do it, but like, let us officially put out there to answer any sort of like questions that may have come out with the release of what is, in our opinion, a very fun trailer. We're gonna be back. We'll be back, baby. Oh yeah, for season yeah, four yeah, yeah. coverage of Stranger Things, and we'll do we'll do a bit of a lead up uh, yep. as well. I would say, you know, it's gonna be May, and it's gonna be time for Stranger Things in the beginning of said month. So, to stay tuned to your feeds for that. Yep. If you haven't watched it before, it's a good time to do it. Um, our lead up will definitely involve going back and watching uh, what has already come out of Stranger Things. But I think that it'll probably be spoilery through season three. So if you're a first timer, maybe watch it now. But um, Mike and I are really psyched to, to get back to Stranger Things once that starts popping up for us as that uh, show and that podcast specifically uh, in many, many ways was the genesis of Down the Hatch. So being able to, to get to, uh, get to new Stranger Things content on the other side of the Lost Rewatch, I think is something that we are we're both really, really hyped about. So stay tuned. We'll make sure you don't miss the announcement uh, if you're listening to Down the Hatch. Uh, we will uh, be very loud about it when the Stranger Things podcast returns. Though you could just search Stranger Things post-show recaps and subscribe to the podcast feed that already exists if you have not done so before. Uh, that way, once the podcast drops, it'll certainly be in that feed. And you will not be able to miss the Stranger Things podcast once it comes back. So we're excited about it. It's a, it's a future thing, but not a far future thing. Uh, we were just talking before we got on the podcast of, oh, yeah, we should probably uh, probably think about this. Probably begin the process of considering what's going on here. Um, some other things, Mike, you, uh, we mentioned from uh, the From finale. Uh, oh, I my just, God. I, I watched the From finale not terribly long ago. Wow. The finals from day Sunday, mm -hmm. and how did it go? Um, well, oh, oh no. Well, here's oh, no. the thing. 
so from is the Harold Perrineau show that I give front dates on every once in a while here on Down the Hatch, and this may be the final front date ever is possible, although I'll give a front date depending uh, either way on whether it was a, a cancellation or a renewal uh, for season two. And again, if there's news between now and mainline Down the Hatch release day, uh, I'll address it in the following episode. But as of now, I don't believe there is a season two renewal for From. And if that holds and we don't get a second season, we're pretty disappointed. Got to tell you. Oh, okay. Now, are you kind of disappointed as in, I've really enjoyed the show and we need more installments of it? Is it, it ended on a really big cliffhanger and those questions need to be answered? A little bit of both? I don't know if I would say that it ended on like a huge cliffhanger. Uh, I think it ended in a way where it felt like there should have been an eleventh episode. It felt mm. like an epi- it felt like an episode of the show, kind of. There were a couple of big mythological reveals, but barely I would call them mythological reveals. Maybe more location stuff. Uh, you know, a little bit of an expansion of location, some set redecoration. Uh, the I, I, I'm going to try not to spoil it. I like to only give you just like sort of teases of what's happening on from, but uh, there's this one scene, Mike, that happens where in the Michael in the forest, uh, Harold Perrineau and his traveling companion, who remember I told you there was like, maybe a purple sky incident kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then they get out on the other side of it and they're still in the, in the forest, the from forest. And the only difference now is it's covered in cobwebs. Uh, but it looks like cobwebs that you would buy at a Halloween store. Uh, it looked really, really fake. Uh, and so if they're going in the direction of like, there is some sort of massive, uh, like arachnagod or something like that. I said this to Jim Fells in the Poster Recaps patron discord, because he's been watching from as well. And I feel like, uh, I don't feel confident in what that will look like. Uh, I feel about as confident that from will be able to nail the arachnagod, uh, as I do Lost's ability to nail the polar baron special, uh, which is to say not super confident. Um, and also there was a kind of like a hatchy type of thing. Oh, but barely, uh, there's more, there's like something involving a, uh, let's call it like a cylindrical passage. There was also like a subterranean like a mystery, kind of maybe more like a chimney. A it, chimney down yeah, the chimney. Yeah. It's more, oh. it seems like a chimney. It seems Is that like... going to be our Christmas <laughs> special. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It felt like there should be an episode 11. Uh, it didn't feel mm. like a finale to me. It felt like just another episode of From, and if they don't renew it, I will be disappointed. Uh, But if they don't renew it, I'll also kind of understand because it was on Epics, and I'm sure it was hard to find. It was called From, so it was hard to Google. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it ended in a way that I felt was kind of whimpery. So I don't know. Uh, I would like to see more of it, but if there's no more of it, I get it is kind of my take. Interesting. So it's essentially the like television equivalent of the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie where there's a post credit scene where they're like, we got to go save Daisy again. Sort and of. Then, yeah. And it sets up the sequel that may never happen. I believe, uh, to be fair to Daisy, that she shows back up to the plumbers and says, you got to come with me. And she's like, got like uh, she's like in sort of like Ghostbusters gear mode. Uh, and everyone's like psyched to see Daisy. 
think uh, that's how that worked. I maybe, yeah, maybe I'm misremembering the the hit John Leguizamo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I almost said Captain Lou Albano, but I believe he was the the live action one yeah. on the TV show. Yes, Bob that's Hoskins. correct. Uh, gosh, did you like that show? Did you ever watch it? I watched a little bit of it. It was a little too Do freaky. the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take yeah. one step. And then uh -huh. again, come on, it's time to go do the Mario. Da -da 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 da just like that. That's how the song went. That sounds like something stupid we would do. If like you and I were the Mario uh -huh. and Luigi, if we were the Captain Lou Albano and the other guy, <laughs> yeah. and we were like, all right, well, we have to come up with a song to this, to this, the Mario music. All right, yes. well, let's do it. No, I was more so, I think, into the Legend of Zelda side of that half oh, hour, sure, sure, namely sure. the "Well, excuse me, princess." Yeah, uh -huh, Link uh, yeah. in that show has very much Sawyer vibes, I would say, especially early season Sawyer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I don't know how we got there. <laughs> I have no idea either. Oh, because you said like From ends in a way where we were talking about how From ends in a way where it's like was it like saving Princess Daisy. No one really cared. I guess kind of. I guess kind of. Uh, I care a little more than uh, I cared about the ending of the Mario Brothers movie, personally. Uh, as a contemporary example, uh, another show that we have discussed here on, uh, certainly on Poster Recaps in a very big way, but we've been talking about it a tiny bit here on Down the Hatch because I've been trying to sell you on it, Mike, uh, what I've described as Office Lost Severance, mm -hmm. uh, just aired its season finale. Uh, and uh, a really tremendous, uh, not quite an hour of television uh, that uh, I really, really, really loved. Also ends in uh, cliffhangery fashion, but, but much, much more effectively. Two. Confirmed season two, much more effective. Uh, completely, as far as I'm concerned, um, aces the landing of this being a really tremendous first season of television. One of the very best first seasons of TV that I can think of in a very long time. And it's relevant to our interest, Mike, because I've been trying to push you on it. And if I'm not going to be the one who gets through to you, maybe Damon Lindelof will do the trick uh, <laughs> because Damon Lindelof on Instagram this week, uh, Instagram added to his social media uh, platform of choice. Mm -hmm. And if you're on the gram, you got to be following Damon Lindelof. He's incredible to follow and does lots of his own Photoshop work, including here uh, in his, uh, his severance hype up post where he, uh, he uh, exacerbates the loss numbers uh, as it relates to the, to the severance numbers, uh, both sets of numbers. Very, very scary as you'll come to find out when you inevitably watch the show, Mike. Um, Damon uh, Lindelof uh, came out and uh, said the following about severance. So this is for anybody who's on the fence. Damon Lindelof says it should come as no surprise that I'm absolutely enraptured by severance. The finale had my heart racing so intensely that my Fitbit asked if I was okay. Yes, the design of this world is next level. Yes, the mysteries are intricately woven, but it's the suppressed emotionality of the performances that has me in absolute awe. Adam Scott is putting on a masterclass. The he he is deserves an Emmy. Kier wills it to be so. And F, yes, I have theories about the goats. A plus. Uh, so that is Damon Lindelof's take on Severance. And I think from his very uh, unique vantage point, uh, of uh, crafting mystery-driven, character-driven television. This is, once again, Damon Lindelof being like, the mysteries are cool, but the characters and the acting, that's where it's at. And I agree with him. Uh, anyway, Severance rocks, and I think you should watch it. I, I definitely will. It's on the list. I'm not on the sever feds. I would, just... I would put it pretty high on the list, Mike. I think. I, uh... I just started the dropout because of Naveen Andrews, Josh. I can only keep so many balls in the air. Dropout's going to go quick. 
Uh, dropout's going to go quick, and then I think Severance is going to go real fast. I think Angela would like it as well. I, I don't know. She actually is very much only into the mystery-based shows if she could have, like, immediate gratification. Though I guess in this case she would because we have an entire season that we could watch. So I think you might enjoy watching it together. I think you should give it a shot. I think okay. it's the thing that you should, you should try. All right, maybe this will be makeup for if I say I have to talk about Lost for five minutes every week on a podcast while covering mm-hmm. Stranger Things Season 4. This will be something to help uh, allay those fears. But yeah, I mean, big thumb of approval. That's not a term. Uh, it's the single thumb of approval? A little thumb of approval from one of the best modern-day television storytellers about another fantastic form of storytelling. Get on the ball, people, and check out all the podcasts that Josh is doing with Amanda and Melissa, I know that you're just finishing up, but that means you have an entire repository to nosh on, much like I will be doing in some time. Yeah, uh, we're still going. We still have feedback shows and stuff, and I think that there's going to be some bonus stuff. So uh, the getting in is still good uh, on on Severance right now with the podcast for sure. Um, Mike, uh, that's uh, that's uh, the the Damon Lindelof update on Severance. By the way, you know you don't what we could do with that lost idea is we wouldn't have to actually watch it. We could talk about what if we were, what if we were watching it? Okay. So, okay. This week was the pilot. Would we have uh, any takes on the pilot that are new? And we could just suppose that we did. I I think that's the line. I think Mm -hmm. we have had a very loyal (laughs) fan base that has been with us through so many stupid ideas. That's their line. You think Uh, that's that's their line. line. Mm -hmm. They're not Mm -hmm. coming with us anymore. (laughs) They are leaving. They're leaving us. They're like, I'm not going to listen to you two idiots come up with suppositions about Uh what you would be doing. Don't OJ Simpson this Mike and Josh. Okay. What does OJ Simpson have to do with this? He Uh, wrote a book called if I did it. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, so if I rewatched it, you're saying. That would uh, be the name of our new podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, here's one last thing before we get into the episode rankings that is just fantastic news. So Joe Garfine was on Down the Hatch not terribly long ago talking about Cancer Gets Lost and the latest auction uh, for Cancer Gets Lost, uh, which raises money for uh, cancer research uh, and spreads ca- uh, awareness about cancer. Um, and the auction has concluded, Mike, and it uh, was a, a rollicking success uh a really really incredible effort by joe and cgl uh fifty two thousand dollars raised in this latest auction which uh i think uh comfortably dwarfed joe's projections uh for Mm -hmm. the auction so if that involved any of you out there listening to this podcast great stuff great work uh it's just it's always really awesome to see awesome people um doing awesome things and uh this definitely qualifies for that so just wanted to give a close the loop on that uh 52k raised for this latest cgl auction it's just incredible yeah, congratulations to Joe. I mean, you very much got a glimpse in the interview that she did with us about just how hard she works every year to make this happen. And the fact that she was able to do so in a pandemic with so much going on in the world, nonetheless, just speaks to not only the work ethic she has, but also the generosity and just general fantastic qualities that this community has. And I know there were a couple of hatchlings that were able to get in on some of that merch. So congratulations to those of you that you know, we're able to acquire that stuff. Feel free to show it off as well to us on social media proper. And big congrats to Joe as well for another fantastic job well done. 100%. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our back. 
We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Mike. It is time to begin the process of ranking the 72nd through 69th best episodes of Lost. Uh, Antonio has just gotten back to me. Okay, uh, all right. Antonio uh, said, was it about how he stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni? Yeah, it was yep, that. That's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I laughed really hard about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the thing is, is Yankee Doodle jokes are the key to my heart. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought that yeah. is your secret? That's your kryptonite is the yeah. Yankee Doodle and all of his various musings. Yeah, that's my secret cap that has a feather stuck in it. <laughs> I'm, always I'm always thinking called, about Yankee Doodle. I'm always called macaroni. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, all right. So the 72nd through 69th best episodes of Lost Mike. What do we think we're in for today? All right. Well, let's go off with the context of that opening clip, right? We are somewhere in season one. I think it either has to be Raised by Another or Confidence Man. Ah, yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Just looking, I mean, House of the Rising Sun is in there, but no! I, but I think that that's too early because we're yeah. talking. We were talking about a Mr. Robot preview podcast. Mr. Robot season four happens in October of 2019, and I believe right. I say a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I feel like that's too early for uh, for it to be House of the Rising Sun. I think Confidence Man raised by another are probably the ones that are that we're looking at i think it might make sense then mike to put both of them on the board today yes uh, and I I, really, there's really... no way it, there's no way it's solitary but i think that that range of confidence man's raised by another fits with the timing of when i would have been talking about the fourth and final season of mr robot which is another show i highly recommend if yes. you're in the right headspace for it it's supremely intense um but it is a completed show that uh, is just magnificent from start to finish. Um, but yeah. it, it's also super brutal. So uh, make sure you are uh, able to, to tolerate some uh, really tough emotional uh, distress uh, as it pertains to the Mr. Robot. Yeah, I would say uh, look at some of the darkest elements of all of the lost characters' backstories and kind of throw it in a smoothie together, and that mm-hmm. is Mr. Robot. So it is incredibly well done and very twisty and mystery based if you enjoyed that which i imagine you would be considering you're listening to a lost podcast just be prepared it is a lot and i feel like especially in like a post 2016 world it's also a big commentary on 
global politics and the world in general yes. as well. So not the biggest escape, I would necessarily say, but immaculately well done. I was just going to say immaculate. I think immaculate. You were immaculately conceived. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know Mr. Robot much <laughs> like a really John great Locke. Lucy Kurtz impression as John Locke's uh, mom. I don't know if, uh, if Mr. Robot was immaculately conceived like John Locke, but it was uh, a really, really uh, exceptional, magnificent piece of, um, of uh, filmmaking and, and just craft work and everyone involved. Uh, exceptional stuff. Uh, so uh, that being said, long way to go towards saying, I think we're in the zone of confidence man and raised by another uh and the other two episodes that i would have in that range would be uh solitary and all the best daddies but there's just no chance we're talking about those today uh and then the other ones that we would be talking about are all off the board already we're not talking about mr robot preview show i certainly don't have the memory capacity for a joke that was told on a preview podcast for mr robot by the time we've reached outlaws which would be our next spot so I think it's raised by another or confidence man today. It could be both. I would split the difference and put them both on here. I'm fine with that. I really am manifesting something that I need confidence man to be episode number 69 for the enchilada lovemaking of it all. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, I had enchiladas last night for dinner, by the way. Oh, we we nearly did, but they were expired. Not a bit. uh, Dragon fruit. Uh, I ate enchiladas last night, actual enchiladas. Uh, and uh, so that would be a uh, curious timing. Uh, well, if Confidence Man shows up today, we'll have to reset the whole enchilada of it all. Because uh, <laughs> that was one of the earliest uh, down the hatch full bloomings, I believe. Yes, I believe so. And just uh-huh. had us looking at Sawyer's, uh, Sawyer's romantic affairs in a very different way. Okay, so we are, we're halfway there. Uh, John Locke, Bon Jovi of it all. Yep. So now we pick two more episodes. So I'm just looking right now. Okay, now this is tough because it's now tough. We have, now we have all these like 3.6 and 3.5 episodes, right? We have something like I do. We have uh, I know that the Economist is uh, three fives a piece. Actually, just off the top of my head, I wouldn't be surprised if we knock off the Economist and I do as well in this episode. I think that that makes sense to me. Uh, the how how long has it been since we've seen uh, a season four? I think we got to something nice back home last week, but that yeah. had been the first time in a little while. Uh, and it makes sense to me that we would be revisiting season four a little bit here with just a couple of those episodes that are good, but maybe not great uh, of season four. Economist would fit the bill there. And then, yeah, we keep hunting down Kate episodes. Episodes, right, we're the Edward uh, Mars right now, being like, I'm gonna catch you one day. Yeah, we're trying to catch them all, gotta catch them all. Uh, so I feel like uh, Ash Kachum, uh huh, <laughs> Ash Kachum, uh huh, yeah, or, or uh, Pika Kate, yeah, Pika Kate, uh, I choose you, Pika Kate. There's got to be a better uh, Pika Chew is also really good. Uh, yeah, I feel like I would be fine with I do making the list today. We gave I do, um. We gave I do a three six and a three five, and I bet the audience is lower. Yeah. Uh, so I think I do showing up today makes sense. I think that the Economist showing up today also tracks for me. I think that there are some other possible contenders that we're not considering. We could close out Michael the same week that we closed out from. <laughs> oh, do we want to manifest that? I'm really high on three minutes, but you're not so high on three minutes, and I don't know where the audience falls. Uh, so I think three minutes could be making, if it's not today, I think it's really soon uh, would be my bet for, for three minutes. Um, 
But I'm comfortable because I think we will get one of confidence man or raised by another. So we already have our 25%. I feel pretty good about Mike. I'm good to go with the instinct of I do and the economist. I think both of those are good choices. All right. So let's knock those off. And again, this is also in the stretch where we are like asking for mercy here, because again, we are in this kind of splatter of three, five, three, six, three, seven rated episodes overall. And it's, it's honestly just blind luck trying to pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we could, you know, we could, we can kind of, uh, you know, make some context clues with the cold open and beyond that it's going to be messy uh, all the way through. We say that every week and it has not changed yet. So uh, I think that this is a good list though, that we've locked in here. Confidence man raised by another. I do. And the economist, um, my feeling is I hope that both confidence man and raised by another rate higher than I do. And the economist, uh, I think that both episodes for me uh, feel more uh, seminal than either one of those. Uh, and I I would like to, to... What are you laughing about? You're such a child. You're such a child. You're such a child. You're just such a child. You're a kid. You're, you're a child. You're an adult baby, is what you are. No! Uh, <laughs> you're Goo Goo Gaga. <laughs> you're an adult baby. Uh, confidence adult baby. Is <laughs> confidence <laughs> adult baby. <laughs> That's what you are. I'm a confidence adult baby, sweetheart. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, all right. So let's start it off with the 72nd best episode of Lost Mike. Uh, we will... Listen to a sound clip from whichever episode of Down the Hatch this is going to pertain to and see if that guides us one way or the other. Mike Bloom, let it rip. Like, what if they got <laughs> Maybe to, like, that's what why we... Jacob uh, ruled her out as a candidate. It's like, well, like what, what the hell do we do mom, now? And also, I discovered that you're a mermaid, and that just gave you an unfair advantage over everyone else. So. Yeah, they get to the ocean after, you know, they escape. Alex is, uh, helps them get free. <laughs> and Corsair's story is like, what the hell are we doing? Kate goes, all right. I got this. Hop on my tail. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> Don't worry. All right. Just straddle my shoulders. I've got this. And she no did. wonder she could easily escape. Like, <laughs> maybe the end of this should have been Marsh chases her down yeah. right to the, the Atlantic Ocean. And then she just dives into the waves and just leaves to go live in Atlantis for a little while to, to you know, uh, get her head below water, quite literally. Thingamabobs. I've got plenty. Yeah, uh, she has a bit of like, she has, she has the volume of aerial hair. Uh-huh. Bit, so. And listen, <laughs> she has daddy issues right like uh i could see king Triton. like maybe ariel wouldn't burn down the grotto uh to kill king Triton, but maybe she felt like she was going there's to. something there's some commonality between ursula and edward mars i feel like yeah exactly he really uh wants her voice to trap in a seashell so that he could impersonate a beautiful woman at some i can point. see frederick lane pulling off poor unfortunate souls <laughs> just your voice <laughs> Body language. Ha! Uh, yeah. Get some. Now I've got them. <laughs> wow, the little Mars doesn't know a bunch of like little booger people that he captures mm, in his little lair. The little Mercate didn't catch on, I guess. No. Uh, well, now, you know, we have, now we have Pikachu. Kate is a mermaid. Didn't catch on uh, in the same way that Michael is the is the plants is the forest. Uh, is this just as simple as I do? We're talking about that point in time, certainly, Mike. I think it has to be. Like, it has to be I do or not in Portland. And I feel like we're not in, not in Portland yet. 
Yeah, because the other thing I'm thinking about, like, with The Economist, I mean, Kate does eventually make her way over to that group, but we're not talking as much about her escaping as much as I do, which is the entire, like, onus of the episode, right? Yeah, well, I mean, not in Portland is the one where they are on the run actively. Um, so maybe it was we were starting to forecast that process as mm -hmm. early as I do uh, and would be talking about Edward Mars more relevantly um, when we were talking through I do because wasn't that one of the final appearances of Edward Mars if I'm not that mistaken? Was, that was except for the flash sideways the yeah. final appearance of Edward Mars. Yeah, so maybe we were, you know, getting some of our uh our our 30 seconds of Mars. Oh uh, no. Yeah. Hey, it's me, Edward Mars. Nice to meet you. I'm not Venom. Uh-huh. Yeah, Dr. Michael Morbius. Uh pleased to meet you. Uh did you see Morbius? I didn't know because it looked like shit. Uh, and then I and then I watched what the post credit scenes were about, and I'm like, I didn't. I'm glad I did see it because it yeah, your life is fine. Your life is fine. Like when it shows up on you know whatever Sony Stars platform. Let me tell you, Mike. When when that happens, don't bother. Don't even. It's really not worth your time. I do think it's got to be I do based on the context clues here, unless uh, we are getting hoisted by our own petard here or trident, as it were. I just don't know why this would be anything other than I do or not in Portland. And I have a hard time imagining not in Portland going before I do. If that's what it ends up being, if it ends up being not in Portland, I'm mad about it. No, I mean, there can't be that many Nathan Fillion stands out there to put it above not in Portland. Yeah. Uh, so we're locked in. I do. I do. All right. Let's see. Is it I do? It is. I Hi. do. All right. Okay. So we are on the board in both the blind and the audio clip guest today, Mike, uh, with I do, which leaves uh, two Kate episodes left, one of which I really barely count as a Kate episode. <laughs> uh, so Kate has really uh, uh, cleared off the board almost pretty quickly here. Yeah, which is pretty magnanimous compared to, I know we have Claire and Michael sort of like on life support as well, but Kate has, I would say, at least the number of their episodes put together in her own amount of episodes. Yeah, uh, so I do is coming in, coming in here at uh, 72, 72 I do. Oh, that's going to be easy to remember. I uh, 70 I, do. Yeah, I 70 do. <laughs> Damn it. All right, let me uh, add that in. <laughs> <laughs> i 70 do uh yep i'm gonna have to say that every time <laughs> you're right you're right i don't you know okay? why that one really look at your indignation you're right for indignation but indignation i'm having to say i 70 uh, do for the uh, next four months uh yeah i 72 at 72, uh, we're going to have to 72 that uh, every time I do these episode rankings going forward. Uh, I'm glad, man. If it had been not in Portland here instead of I do, I would have been so mad about it. I don't think oh, I would have yeah. been happy about it because I definitely think not in Portland is a superior episode. I do think I do gets maybe lightly unfairly trashed. So if we were looking at this as it was only being ranked by the hatchlings, this would have been discussed uh, some weeks back. Uh, it would have made it to 84, uh, 84 
uh, Mike, instead of going as high as I-70 do. Uh, so I think that uh, 72 is maybe a little higher than I do deserves, but I think 84 maybe slightly lower than I would put I do personally mm. at this current state. I mean, I could be just talking completely out of my tuchus. I don't know where I ranked them for the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, let's take a quick look, a gander, if you will. I yeah, do. And while you're doing that, I'll, I'll, I'll remind people about what I do. I gave I do a 60 in my most recent uh, rankings. Okay. Uh, and, I, and then I put not in Portland right behind it, uh, right, oh, ahead wow. of it right ahead of it, rather. 59. So, for I mean, it is interesting to sort of consider it almost like a two-part episode, like you mm-hmm. talked about with, uh, with, with the candidate and the episode that came before it as well. Of, yeah. You could sort of, even though there was a lengthy hiatus between these two episodes if you sort of watch them as a two-part episode it's interesting of like the setup and the chase in a manner of speaking so let's talk i do for a second this is i would say is like one of the last proper episodes that takes place in this hydra arc in this first part of season three this is technically the mid-season finale for season three back when they were not really doing those things so flashbacks uh, Kate is not Kate. She is a Monica. She's a neat lady living with a police officer named Kevin, uh, played by the aforementioned Nathan Fillion. And basically, this is like Kate trying to settle down, right? Albeit as someone who she is not. And then basically, like, she ends up marrying Kevin and then gets this call from Ursula herself, Edward Mars, basically saying, like, you know, if you can really settle down, I'll stop chasing you. But you know that's not going to be true. You're never going to stop running. And Kate essentially reveals that. Uh, She, you know, drugs Kevin and ends up getting the hell out of Dodge on the run once more. On the island, the main concern is like, uh, hey, Ben's going into surgery right now. And Jack is still putting his booted foot down. And basically, Kate has to convince Jack that they are going to kill Sawyer if Jack does not do the surgery. Uh, but she kills Sawyer in the Shakespearean sense by having sex with him in the polar bear cages. And after that, Jack does say, okay, I uh, I want to do surgery on you, Ben, but only if you let me off the island. I am done with this place. And basically then it all culminates in this big climax that carries over into the next episode where Pickett just decides to kind of go rogue and kill Sawyer after all the stuff that he thinks Sawyer has done to him and to his family. Uh, In the meantime, Jack has sabotaged the operation, a Benjamin Linus beatdown, technically speaking, according to us, by essentially holding him hostage, saying, I nicked his kidney sack. If if you don't do what I want to do right now, I will kill him right here, right now. Jack's demands, let Kate and Sawyer go. And the mid-season finale of season three ends with the infamous words, Kate, damn it, run. I thought that you were just praising Jack. I misheard you as you were saying, Jack's the mans, uh, (laughs) is what I thought that you had said initially. Uh, He kind of is in this moment. In this moment. I mean, it's pretty badass for him to do, especially since like the first few episodes have kind of come across as him being subjugated under the others. Not his best. Not his best stuff. Um... Yeah, th- yeah, the the picket stuff, you know, he really is fairly loathsome in this episode and the next and this is sort of like the the swan song for for this character. And I think that the flashback take or leave, the Monica of it all. But I think that the tension of the on island stuff is really good. Uh and like yeah. Kate making her pitches to Jack and then Jack seeing what he sees and Jack deciding that like the kind thing to do here, the right thing to do here 
is to uh, uh, is to like respect that the person who he has fallen for has fallen for someone else. And if he can do something about it, he's going to do something about it. I think it's just at least a very Jack thing to do. Uh, so it's like really in character. But one of the things that I love about it is like we, the audience, don't exactly know what Jack is going to do until he does it. And that also extends to Juliet doesn't know what Jack is going to do until mm-hmm. Jack does it. And Elizabeth Mitchell's eye acting is so good in this episode because she's masked up like many yep. of us uh, had had been while watching this episode on the rewatch and have been still. Uh, and she just does such a great job peering over the surgical mask and looking at Jack across the table and being like, so is he, is he going to kill him? This is going to happen. Is this, is this going down? Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I think that the suspense of lost does ER, how we described it uh, was, was really great. Uh, Ben's anatomy. Uh, I don't remember if we called <laughs> oh, it that no. or not, uh, but I'll say you it can now. call me McDreamy. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know what his uh, name would be. It's not, it's Mc, not Mc creepy. Yeah, McCreepy, I think, is probably right. McCreepy, uh, for sure. And then there's Mikhail. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a McDreamy and a McSteamy, so you got McCreepy and Mikhail. Uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so it really is like the Wish.com version of McSteamy. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, so I, I will say that I think I agree. The Hydra Island stuff, for one of the first times, you know, in that, that six-episode stretch is – Fairly invigorating, like you said, literally pulse pounding. Where this episode gets taken down, actually the weakest part of the episode is something I completely obfuscated. I forgot that this does some post-cost of living stuff with Locke's gang, right? Where they they bury Mr. Echo after he got killed by the monster, and they're like, what do we do now? And Locke looks at the Jesus stick, and it says, look north, John. And we sort of just sit on that for a little while. So that's that's a bit of like a nothing burger. I will say, I think what also brings this episode up is I remember surprisingly enjoying the flashbacks that while it still feels a little less concrete and complex like other character flashbacks it still shows some tropes from kate's flashbacks i think this is also maybe where i put out the thesis of if you put the the kate flashbacks in chronological order does that make it a better storyline overall but i do think we were invigorated by the idea of like Kate doing something different, trying to settle down and essentially like facing who she is as a person and why does she have to run? And I think it's a really interesting character growth moment buried within, you know, a situation that is not the most solid. Kevin is yet another one-off character who we never talk about again. So that sort of like dulls the hit a little bit. But I think using it as an opportunity to really boil down who Kate is and why she does what she does, I always relish that opportunity. Uh, some other notes from the podcast and about this episode. So the mermaid stuff came from when Sawyer tells Kate about Hydra Island. And he says, unless you're a mermaid, uh, and that's uh, ringing a bell. And I think that's why we got into the mermaid of it all. Um, we compared the characters to Les Mis characters in this episode. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because Kate is Valjean and Edward Mars is Javert from yeah. that perspective. Uh, and we uh, said Nathan Fillion is Fontaine, and we sang I Dreamed a Dream of Taco Night. <laughs> it works just as well the second time yeah, around. pretty good. Uh, we talked about how it's fun when Jack is an intentional asshole, like when he is like deliberately being a jerk. Uh, the uh, the scene where he tells Ben that he's not going to do the surgery, and Ben says, well, I'm disappointed. And Jack says, well... 
you're not going to have to be disappointed for very long. Yeah. Uh, like Which when, is when a he, great scene. That's a really good scene. I, I do enjoy some Jack Snark from time to time, especially when he is in this rare position of power, right? Where he's been locked in an aquarium for six episodes. And now they're like, oh, so now you want me to do something for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's fun. It was a fun look for Jack. Uh, we talked a lot about Monica Culpepper of Survivor fame. Uh, and we talked about should this episode have been called I Do It for Monica, uh, which would have been fun. Yeah, if only Kevin had rocked a mustache like Brad Culpepper, but suddenly changed into a potato sack in the middle of it. Would have been odd. Uh, this is where we began the Kate aliases, which is a big part of the reason why she immediately comes to mind as a lost character who would be good on the circle. Uh, Monica went straight to the top where it remained until the very end. I do think this is her best alias. It's certainly her most effective. Uh, she gets, you know, just shy of, uh, you know, uh, of having a kid with this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the one that she maintains the longest, which considering Kate's own tempestuousness and ability to just fly when she sees other branches, I think that that speaks a lot to what she's able to do. And the fact that a freaking cop whose job it is to like sniff out the truth metaphorically speaking, wasn't onto her ever. I yeah. think maybe speaks towards maybe his uh, maybe poor uh, job performance, but maybe at the same time, like Kate's effectiveness as well with this. Could be. Uh, Mike, you gave the Marshall uh, an MVP point in this episode. I thought his last scene proper in the main timeline was actually like really well done and really interesting. I know that we- Big hand ratty energy. Yeah, I, I know I said this a lot, compared a lot to Catch Me If You Can, right? Where, yeah. where hand ratty calls Frank Abagnale Jr. And they sort of have like an odd friendly check-in. And there's this odd regard that they are acquaintances, despite the fact they're literally like a cop and a criminal that they are chasing. And it's a very similar vibe here. And the Marshall does give good advice to Kate, right? Essentially being like, look, I know you want to settle down and do this housewife thing, but you and I both know that's not you. And yeah. I, it's an interesting idea that because this man has become so obsessive, he has studied her to a T to the point where he is able to essentially give her a character breakdown to her face. Yeah. Uh, is this a hot take? I think uh, Catch Me If You Can would have been a great name for a Kate episode. Yeah, that would be, especially if it focused specifically on like the Kate and Mars dynamic. Because I feel yeah. like Mars has always plays such like a C-list role in the episode, if we really focus on the two of them, I think that would be fantastic. And even if that, that means we also get a sort of montage of, you know, Kate doing a Frank Abagnale thing where she's a pilot and she's a doctor. I don't think she would ever aim that high as he did, but still would be very fun. That'd be a really fun episode if every flashback was like a def, uh, a different con, like a different yeah. missed connection. Uh, you know, Lost didn't get like that experimental. I think the Damon Lindelof today uh, would, would, would make some of those swings. Um, and and Catch Me If You Can, starring Christopher Walken. Hey, that's Does me. the infamous uh, making butter out of cream monologue. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Catch uh, Me If You Can. <laughs> there we go. That was That's going to be the episode title. Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can. Uh, all right. So that's I Do. Anything further, Your Honor? Uh, I don't believe so. I think uh, a fairly... <laughs> your Honor and your Jervis, to bring it back to the Culpeppers. <laughs> yes, they, yeah, we're doing it for Monica. Again, I think, like, this being the third best Kate episode, I think makes sense. The flashback, while maybe innocuous on the surface, actually has some depth beneath it. And there's some really good high-octane island stuff that I think buoys it above a lot of the other Kate episodes that don't have that much of quality going on on the island. Yeah. Uh, fair. I think that's fair. Wow, we're really getting close to closing out Kate. Uh, I don't think that she will go before Michael and Claire, but uh, just the sheer volume that we have drained from the Kate episodes, 
is significant and notable. Um, all right, 71st best episode of Lost. We are hoping, uh, and by hoping, I mean just for the sake of our continued positive metrics, if not necessarily what we're actually hoping for. We're hoping to see The Economist or Raised by Another. We kind of don't want to see Confidence Man yet because Mike's got, uh, uh, you've got skin in the game. Uh, lots of skin. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So let's listen to the sound clip from what would be the podcast pertaining to the 71st best episode of Lost and see if we cannot figure out which one it is based on the audio mic. He's just That's Bernard he's, he's, lying, you bitch. He's straight up lifting Bernard's joke. And it is the first of two times that he'll do it. Wow, just when I thought Charlie was redeeming himself in this episode, we still have a moment where he's a total scumbag and steals someone's joke without giving them permission. Plagiarism! Is it plagiarism? To the same person, too. Like, he's not trying out the new joke on somebody else like you might think. He's going to the exact same person and just repeating the same thing Echo Heard said to him, like, three days ago. Yeah, Mr. was like, isn't that Bernard's line? Uh, Because he, like, probably heard that a lot during his time with Bernard traveling around. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of Bernard's thing of like, it's sort of his penny for your thoughts, right? Or his keep on keeping yeah. on is you don't call, you don't yeah. write. Bernard is like the only person who is thrilled when Charlie dies. Wow, you really came out with that big <laughs> statement, lads. <laughs> yeah, Bernard. I don't miss him. Um, he took my phrase. So sometimes uh, lost beats you where you are is a thing that we talk about here on the podcast quite a bit, Mike. Um, and in that same vein, I think lost has met Michael where he is. Uh, as Harold Paranos from concludes, I think so too does Michael's run on the episode rankings. I am almost positive this is three minutes. Yeah, you th- I, I, I honestly could not remember when You Don't Call, You Don't Write pops up for the first time with Charlie. I guess it's in three minutes. Yeah, so question mark is going to be, you know, on the other side of Two for the Road. So Anna and Libby have been killed. Uh, and Mr. Echo is going to go off into the jungle with John Locke. Uh, to, uh, he says that we're going to track down Benjamin Linus, but instead he's following the line on his dream. Uh, and they're going to find the the Pearl Station. And Echo will walk away from that feeling like the work being done in the hatch is more important than anything. And so if John's not going to push the button, he will. Uh, and so he will go and he will be spending the rest of his time on, uh, certainly in season two of Lost, either pushing the button or defending the button. Um, and unless, Mike, this is live together, die alone, which <laughs> I do not think it is, that would be insane, and it's definitely not, then I think it's got to be three minutes. It's got to be the final Michael Dawson episode, uh, which I gave a really high score to, a 3.8 for three minutes. You gave a 3.2, and I'm sure the audience didn't go crazy for three minutes, so it's going to make sense to me. Um, metrically for three minutes to fall here. But that's absolutely where we would be talking about this Charlie gag because he comes in, uh, Mr. Recco is sitting by the computer. It's been a minute since he and Charlie have had scenes together and Charlie will give him the whole you don't call, you don't write that he lifted from Bernard and will say again in further instructions uh, because Charlie is a filthy plagiarist. Yeah, uh, listen, you you sold me on it. Thank you for reacquainting that memory. And like you said, there's a very small crossover between 
Charlie, you know, acquainting with Echo while he was associated with the hatch and Echo dying. So yes. let's jump through that window and let's go with three minutes here. All right. So let's just take a quick look and make sure. Yep. Three minutes. Guys, good job. Michael Dawson is officially off the board as, as the first character. If a Michael falls. Uh, so uh, we hear it. We hear it. It's happening. Uh, we have our first character closeout in the episode ranks. Do you have any kind of celebratory Yankee Doodle Dandy song lined up for this, Michael? We got rid of Yankee Michael. <laughs> His episodes are all gone. Uh -huh. It's like when he got hit by a car. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, and sometimes he shouts at Walt. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And then he shot Yankee Doodle. Lana, and he <laughs> caught some Libby too. <laughs> he is Michael. He is gone, and now he's left the island. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, Michael is not a great guy, and now we are saying bye bye. Yes, uh, that is the front date on Michael Dawson. The final time to give a front date, and the final Michael Dawson episode. Three minutes. Uh, would have been further down the road if it had been just left up to the listeners. A 68. This is interesting, Mike. Uh, a 3.4854 average score. Big numbers, uh, or lots of numbers anyway. Uh, a 3.8 from me, a 3.2 from you, and the listeners would have given it a 68. This really speaks to the power of uh, the disparity between our votes, I think, Mike. Yeah. Um, this this is, might this be is... worth paying attention to as we move forward here. This is Michael on Michael violence is what it is. I am sure responsible. Is. I have the blood on my hands right mm -hmm. now. You do. You do. Um, ah, I'm sad. I am kind of sad about this. I feel like maybe this is a little, a little low. I'm trying to think of where was I with three minutes. Let's find out. Three minutes, I would have gone to 51 as of the MTV version of this. Uh, and where was I for the Hollywood Reporter version of three minutes? 57. So I'm higher on three minutes than the average by a good stretch. Well, why don't you uh, go like ahead and, and tell us what episodes. three minutes is about and why you love it so much? So three minutes is answering the question of why on earth did this character who we have loved or at least understood and appreciated for uh, two seasons almost, uh, why has he just turned around and murdered two characters in cold blood? We get to see what happened when Michael was on the other side of, uh, as we as we clocked it earlier today, Mike, getting catfished down <laughs> the hatch. Uh, and he goes off in pursuit of Walt uh, to, to try and save his son who was taken from the raft. We get to see this full on-island flashback as Michael is uh, going through the jungle. He gets captured. By the others, it's the first appearance of the aforementioned Danny Pickett uh, and uh, the whole seeing the funny pages of it all. Uh, we get to see uh, the others and specifically Michael's perspective on um, the hunting party moment where uh, Mr. Friendly shows up in the jungle uh, and we hear uh, bring him out, Alex, or bring her out, Alex. Uh, we get to see uh, Tanya Raymond as Alex once again uh, mm -hmm. here in this episode. And we find out that Michael, once he gets taken to the other's village, that he is being given an opportunity to leave the island with his son. And it is if he is able to spring Benjamin Linus and then bring um, these four specific individuals to this specific rendezvous point 
and uh, we get the line from uh, from Michael, who is James Ford? You know him as Sawyer. Uh, great Miss Clue, uh, if not misdirect moment here uh, in three minutes. So that's the on-island flashback stuff. And then on the island in the real time, Michael is frantically trying to hold all of this together, uh, both because the lie is starting to, you know, be a little bit uh, afraid, but also his guilt, his guilty conscience is really weighing on him as well. Libby is dead at this point uh, after uh, really, um, uh, you know, suffering through it in question mark. Uh, and Michael is going to go around trying to recruit everybody to join him that he needs. He's going to tip off Saeed that something is wrong because he turns down Saeed. He says, you're not coming with us. Sawyer thinks that's weird, but uh, Saeed ultimately accepts, and he's going to go to Jack and say, uh, I believe Michael has been turned. Uh, let's keep walking, Jack. Uh, a very, very uh, great scene uh, as they're going to the funeral. Hurley is going to eulogize Libby and ultimately decide to come along uh, for the revenge mission, having turned it down earlier. Uh, and then the episode ends with a boat, boat off in the distance, uh, which leads us into the season two finale. I think it's a pretty exciting episode. I mean, look, the penultimate episodes tend not to be uh, the, the, the greatest hits, despite the one that is actually literally called greatest hits. Uh, is this the second worst? It is by by our rankings. I, I it know is, it yeah. is. I'm I'm so it, it is by our rankings. But for me, is this the second worst penultimate episode? Uh, I would argue that both follow the leader and what they died for. I certainly rated those a smidge lower than three minutes. But I recognize I'm an outlier on this one. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So for me. Three minutes, there were certainly parts that I enjoyed. I really liked the very brief scene between Michael and Walt. And I like the onus of what the flashbacks do, which, which, like you say, sort of like backfills the rationalization that Michael used to essentially kill people in cold blood, right? This idea of whatever it takes, I have to see my son. I have to get off the island. I have to rescue this man. I have to do what it takes. I am not completely there on the execution whether it's seeing more of like the derelict others in the village that's soon to become that's soon to become abandoned, whether it's like the Miss Clue scene, which, while interesting, leaves me, leaves me with more question marks personally than answers that don't really get resolved. In part because the character doesn't do a lot more, and I just think doing a little bit of like the Rashomon style that we saw in the beginning of season two, right? Of like, here's Michael on the other side of the hunting party, didn't necessarily work for me. And the on-island stuff I thought was a very typical penultimate episode fair where it's like there's not significant stuff that happens in the main timeline where they're just they're just sort of much like Born to Run, an episode that we spoke about previously. They're getting to the setting of the final, the finale. And so this was more of a how does Michael get those four specific people on the list together? And there are certainly interesting moments. Like you said, Saeed immediately being on to Michael's BS. Hurley tearfully telling Michael that like he's going to come with him after going to Libby's funeral. But there wasn't a lot of there there for me combined with the flashbacks that I didn't really like in execution gave me that lower score. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I don't I don't think that any of that is unfair. I think a lot of it, uh, as I've as I've talked about, 
I'm, you know, pretty ride or die with Harold Perrineau. I think he's mm-hmm. a tremendous actor. I think that some of the material he was given on Lost was really, really strong, but a lot of it wasn't. Uh, I think that his character is um, not done a great service by certainly the writer's strike, I think, is uh, is uh, really unfortunately timed for his return to the show. And so his story, his return story ends up getting short shrifted. I don't know if there was a great version of that story anyway. Uh, personally speaking, especially because me, Kevin Johnson, I feel the way about that that I uh, have have described. Um, but I feel like the answer to what was up with this guy and why is he doing the things that he was doing, I thought that the questions that it was positing were really, really fascinating and riveting, especially at a time that you're, uh, whether or not you're taking it uh, at face value and like believing in it sort of like wholeheartedly, or you're just kind of talking it through as a thought exercise. The idea, Mike, of... Um, the lost island as purgatory so uh the the question of like what would you be willing to do to escape hell uh you know to to get out of this purgatorial state and resume your life who would you kill like what would you be willing to do to save your son and get out of here i thought that they um had an opportunity to really sink their teeth into that in uh, a pretty meaty way and i think that the return on that uh investment isn't so great but I like it here in in three minutes and getting to have what I think is a really human performance from Harold Perrineau. And I think that the the Michael Michael's story falling apart, um, both on the strength of Saeed's uh, human lie detector skills, but also on Michael not being able to um, to pay that toll. Ultimately, he can't lie to save his own skin. He can't uh, pay the troll toll. He can't to get in. Uh, so I think that that's good. I think that, that that really tracks for me with the character. And I think that that for me is satisfying. Um, that it ends up here uh, at 71, I'm not going to take major issue with Mike, especially because of how it pertains uh, to the front date. Uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. I think that that's just kismet and we should accept it, uh, accept the result as it is. Uh, and just uh, another sign that... Uh, it's really fun to talk about Lost. Like this is great. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad we're still doing this. This is really, really fun. Well, let's um, talk about some odds and ends from this episode. I mean, I think deservedly it is the number one Michael episode. No as doubt. Well, yeah. Uh, where I think both Kevin Johnson and uh, and Special have some issues either with the on island or off island stuff. I do feel like while I don't love either storyline, I think there's no like there's no storyline as flawed as like what exists in those. Uh, so. Josh, you gave heroin an LVP point because, yeah. quote unquote, heroin dies. Is this when they burn the plane? Uh, the plane has oh, no, already no, no, been no. burned. This is when Charlie, Charlie hawks the, the, yes. the statues into the ocean. Yes, he throws the remaining heroin away and John Locke watches from the beach. Yes, and that's where he like, and he ends up getting up, right? Like I think he finally yes. stops using the crutches after the, the blast door went down on his leg. Yes, yes. Uh, he's going to toss them aside. Uh, so yeah, I gave heroin an LVP cause it dies and I still give, uh, uh, deaths LVPs at this point, not obligatory, but, uh, heroin does get an LVP for its death. I gave Pickett an LVP in this, uh, in this episode. Was it just cause I don't like Pickett? No, I'm pretty sure there was something where like, he's one of the people who brings Michael into the village and he like does something stupid or screws something up. Well, he just like injects him with a thing. That's not great. Or takes a blood sample without consent. That's not fantastic. Michael has also just been taken without his consent, which is also not great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. Like not consent on not consent, just piling on top of each other. Here's something interesting. So I almost gave Vincent an MVP point in this episode, but didn't. And you and I opine like, wait a minute. 
have we given Vincent an MVP point at all? When will that happen? Uh, according to the team behind the curtain, not until the very last opportunity we had. Wow. Um, that's tremendous. Uh, I think that that's great. Uh, like, I think save the MVP point for when Vincent shows up to truly be the best boy. Mm, yeah, very fitting in that way that he got no points until the end. And look, it's tough, right? Especially we're in the first couple seasons, the ensemble is still ballooning. There, there are very few opportunities. If there were honorable mentions, it would certainly go to that good doggo. But we yeah. only had so many points to go around. Uh, Josh, this is interesting. We have a bonus clip. Mm, yes, uh, we have a bonus clip that according to the Ben behind the curtain, uh, he says, this is gold. Definitely play it. It comes from feedback about question mark. So it wasn't a fair choice to make you guess on. Um, okay, but he wanted us to play this on the podcast. All right, a bonus clip. That's fun. Let it rip, Mike. Ben is truly an, an agent of Yeah, playoffs, but that makes but that sense That feels to me. like... I don't know. I feel like he's, a, he's an instrument of measure. I mean, chaos, if you, you know? are on an island and you've got access to pneumatic tubes, are you not screwing around with the pneumatic tubes sometimes? Yeah, but I don't know if you're putting I don't a notebook know. I mean, in there. You've maybe, got like a ton of maybe, marble maybe, notebooks that you could just like roll up and shove into the pneumatic tube. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you put like your, I mean, first of all, you definitely put why, your arm oh, up there and that's not this? good. Alternate. Um, why do you think Ben has it out for Carl so much. It's because Carl and Alex keep sneaking away to the Pearl Ooh, Station, yeah. shoving marble notebooks into the pneumatic tubes. And Ben's like, this I like that. kid keeps playing with my pneumatic tubes. Yeah, it's their way of screwing with them. And they had to like clean it out last time after Carl shoved a bunch of apples yeah. in there and it like clogged up the pneumatic yeah. tubes. Uh, I also wonder if we ever find like a one-armed other you better believe that they lost their arm because they put it yeah, up the pneumatic tube. Do you think Montan's tube. arm was shoved into the pneumatic tube? <laughs> yeah, the smoky uh, showed up, like took the form of somebody, went to the pneumatic tube and put Montan's yeah, arm in I there. hope that we don't forget to keep saying the word pneumatic tubes as we go deeper into <laughs> down the hatch. This feels like something that could definitely disappear and I don't want it to be sucked into the proverbial pneumatic tube uh, and dumped out no, into like, so. a field of uh, missed pneumatic tube reference opportunities. Whoopsie. Oh, alas, an LVP point to pneumatic tubes. Uh, they died here in three minutes. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, but man, yeah. we really got that that word out to the point where even just saying it gave it no meaning whatsoever. Yeah, pneumatic tubes still doesn't mean anything. All these, uh, all this. Time uh, aside later. from the bane of Ben Linus's existence, apparently. It really would be fun to play around with pneumatic tubes, I got to tell you. I mean, that's one of the read, like 70% of the reason why I initially wanted to work in a bank. For, like, oh, I thought you were going to say when I was a child. That was the, the reason you wanted to do down the hatch was to get to <sighs> talking about the pneumatic tubes. Yeah. Josh, uh, listen, loss is fantastic. We got we to gotta talk tubes. That's yeah. really where I don't know why I'm Saul all of a sudden, but that's I'm tall, the tube man. <laughs> yeah. Mm, tall, the tube man here. Uh, tall, the tube man uh, would have loved to call this podcast down the pneumatic tube. Yeah, but that doesn't flow as well, right? DTPT. Yeah. yeah. Uh, through the pneumatic tube. No, that's more so like through the looking glass. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's an up the up the pneumatic tube. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're getting like shot out of a pneumatic tube. Yeah, I think that yeah. works. Should we bring back pneumatic tubes? 
Yeah, give this a second life. Let's make sure that we don't forget to talk about pneumatic tubes in every single episode of the uh, countdown from here on out. Well, how about this? What if because I don't want uh, the reference to pneumatic tubes to go in the proverbial pneumatic tube. Exactly. (laughs) That's like our version of uh, it's Eggtown when it's good and it's going Uh, in the pneumatic tube mm -hmm. if it's bad. Well, let's say this: like we got some feedback through the pneumatic tube, for example, from Melissa Forziet who had a really interesting observation about one of the aforementioned scene in three minutes where Walt is allowed to see Michael for the titular three minutes. She says, I was just watching three minutes and during the scene with Michael and Walt in the other's camp, I kept calling forward to the scene of the phone call between Desmond and Penny in the constant, the short time limit on the conversation, the urgency in the voices, the pace of the emotion, the fact that they were separated before and after the connection for Michael and for Penny the moment of contact further motivated them to find a way to reunite with the person that they loved. The fact that the end of the episode shows Desmond's boat in view feels more fitting now. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that that tracks. Uh, that's compelling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in general it ties into this, the things we do for love, yeah, which I think yeah. is a prevailing theme with a lot of loss. So yeah, I think it tracks really well. And I love the coincidence as, you know, maybe even not a coincidence because we're going to meet Desmond and Penny in the very next episode that they were sort of setting up a very not similar type of dynamic, but an idea of being able to do anything to, for the person that you love. Uh, you know, she mentions the Penny going to look for Desmond, but even something similar as Desmond sailing around the world to get his honor back uh, is uh, not too dissimilar from like Michael going so far to win his son back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's like sort of like the paladin version of like the the warlock version of what Michael does, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hitches his wagon. Oh man, that's gonna be when we get rich on the podcast next. We have to like, oh, that, I think that's more of an Austin Smith thing is to like draft lost characters into D and D classes. Ooh, wow, that's a fun podcast. Oh wow, now we're really talking to a certain uh, yeah. base sector of the Poster Recaps uh, patron Discord. Uh, that could be very fun to do. Uh, would love to. Would love to do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, we know where Sawyer falls. Oh yeah, very yeah. much so. <laughs> He's a rogue minotaur. Very specifically, yes. He might go by a different name though in another universe. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Mike. We are up to the 70th best episode of Lost, which I should have you know is uh, the 42nd episode of the list. So the last time we are hitting one of the numbers until we get to 108. Uh, And 
we find ourselves at an opportunity. Uh, because coming in, coming in to this episode, Mike, uh, on the on the audio clips, we are currently 38 out of 41 guesses. Really, really good. On the blind guesses, we are uh, we're doing about like not we're somewhere in like the 50% range. You know, okay. I, don't make me math. Uh, but right don't now we are uh, we are 22 out of 41. If we get either the economist raised by another or confidence man here. We will atone for missing 15 out of 16, uh, and we will now find ourselves at 23 out of 42 on the blind Ooh, guesses. Pressure. So there's, so there's a chance. There's a we've we've got like a moment uh, of uh, of numeric kismet to pneumatic to kismet. Yeah, we're in the numeric tube uh, potentially <laughs> right now. Uh, so we want to see raised by another the economist. The question is, would we rather miss on Confidence Man so that it's 69 uh, as you would like it to be, uh, or do we want to get 23 out of 42? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Really pick your poison. Um, Confidence Man at 69 will have the staying power that uh, the 23 out of 42 will not. Right. But... This this is our momentary fleeting. Yes. Right. That would have long-term value. Correct. Correct. All right. So one of those three episodes is what we are hoping to hear as the 70th best episode of Lost. Let's listen to the sound clip from this episode, Mike. So this is uh, totally a point out of the Mike Bloom flirtation book of like, try to use your cheeky sense of humor to like kind of intrude on someone's privacy. <laughs> oh God. Jeez. Oh, no, it's not that bad, but it's like, you know, if, if someone's like, would be, uh, you know, if like Angela was like typing on her computer in our college lounge, I would be like, I love Mike. He's the best, and he has the brightest apple face cheeks in the world. I could pick him off and make him into a pie. Like, come up with, with stupid stuff like that. So it's not necessarily intruding on privacy, but it's more so, I guess, interrupting people while they're in their private moment to be stupid. Incredible. I love it. How did I get married to somebody? I have this question. <laughs> I also have I, that question. I'm I just I'm so confused about this book that I keep speaking about. Yeah, I'm also confused. That hasn't changed for me. Uh, yeah, the, the confusion around. I this. understood where the logic went the more that I explained it. But when you enter uh -huh. the clip and good on the clip pullers for essentially me starting by being like, "Hey, if you intrude on someone's privacy, that's how you wife up." Like that's yeah. not good. Past my. It's not great. That's not good. That's not great. That's not great. Mike, do we know which episode that pertains to? So if I could ascertain a guess, I'm thinking confidence man when Kate sees Sawyer writing or like reading over the letter and she does her own little like, oh, dear Santa, blah, 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 blah. She pulls something out of my my playbook, apparently, uh -huh. that I would imagine that's what it's referring to, which would break my heart because that puts us at, you know, uh, one spot shy of 69. Yeah. But that's where I'm leaning to the most. Okay. Um. I think then I am good with that pick. Uh, I think uh, I think this being confidence man based on that context makes sense to me. 
I don't really have a better guess. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of like who else would be writing or being around a letter. And I just got to think early season one, Sawyer was the only sure. one seen around a letter. Yeah, I think that that's right. Um, all right, we're going with confidence, man. Let's be confident in it. All right, let's see it. It's raised by another. What the hell? Wow. It's raised by another. Um, this is uh, in reference to Charlie trying to read Claire's diary. Uh, oh by making Charlie, up fake entries. You're stealing my... from Bernard and you're stealing from my playbook. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, Mike, this is, uh, this is interesting because uh, Confidence Man is still in play, uh, but uh, we do miss a sound clip. So we're now 38 out of 42 in the sound clips, but on the blinds, 23-42. All right. All right. All right, I, I can't come up with another Yankee Doodle parody song. No. Uh, completed, but we should mention, speaking of Yankee yes! Doodle, this is where this pulls from, evidently. Yes. Uh, so not only that, this is where uh, the, the cold open comes from. So maybe that buys Confidence Man some more time. Um, but uh, this also means, Mike, that in addition to closing out Michael, we close out Claire. This is the final Claire episode as well. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about who was going to be the last place finisher. It turns out they were neck and neck. Yeah. Really. You know, if things had been nudged higher with uh, with with three minutes or nudged a bit lower for raised by another, it could be a completely opposite situation. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. Do you have a Yankee Doodle song for Claire now? Uh, I'm a Yankee Doodle, Clary. I'm whap, whap, <laughs> whap, whap. <laughs> is, that, is that because... The lyrics can't be uh, played on this podcast for fear of uh, drawing an explicit content tag. Yeah, perhaps when it's just me making up, Dear Charlie, this is the song I wrote about you. I don't even mm -hmm. remember Charlie making up entries in Claire's diary. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Uh, that I remember more for, uh, for uh, later on when she's gone, but... I don't know. I guess it must have happened here. I mean, I guess I had to set it up, but apparently, so the cold open, and I love that they wrote in this line of logic here because I don't, wouldn't be able to follow it otherwise. So apparently Charlie and Claire have like a conversation about having a cup of tea. And I believe they say the line, like it separates us from the Yanks. And we say, okay, so Charlie isn't a Yankees fan. And then that went into Yankee doodle dandy. Cause I think we just mentioned the word Yankee. Yeah, that happens. That sounds <laughs> that like just our happens. brains. Just lo loose word association is really a keystone of down the hatch. Yep, that sounds exactly like how something like that would have occurred. Uh, no surprises there. Um, Mike, can you talk us through Raised by Another and what occurred in this episode? Right, so Raised by Another is the first and apparently the best Claire episode. So essentially, Claire, we find out really the flashbacks about how Claire got pregnant. It was by her stupid boyfriend, Thomas, a.k.a. the creepy brother from Wedding Crashers, how essentially he left her uh, because he couldn't handle the responsibility. She goes to see an, an, a psychic named Richard Mulkin, not Ray Mullen, even though I mixed the two of them up very much so many, many times, who essentially has this like vision or premonition, even though we had a big argument on the podcast as to him possibly being an AOJ, an agent of Jacob, and like knowing that because Claire was a candidate, she had to be on the plane. Basically, Richard Mulkin says, if anyone else parents this child, the baby will be in danger. He cannot be raised by another. Claire screw says, screw off Richard Malkin, whoever you are. I'm going to sign these papers. And then the pen runs out of ink. And she says, it's a sign. 
And Richard Malkin, again, gives her $6,000 and a ticket on Oceanic 815, being like, well, now, actually, I changed my mind. There's a couple that's, go couple that's going to give or uh, adopt your baby. And Claire is initially skeptical of this, but Richard Malkin now is very intense about, like, you have to get on that plane. You're giving it away to good people. On the island, Claire keeps having nightmares. This is really our first foray into trippy dream sequences. I remember, like, the plane mobile. John Locke is uh, playing cards at a table. Uh, and he has the one black eye and the one white eye. And when she wakes up, like, she is, uh, she's dug her nails into her palms. And then she has another dream where someone holds her down and injects her with something. We now know that that was what Ethan was doing while he was studying her. And so it's a little bit of a conversation as to like, hey, we should do like a census of everyone who's on the island just to like figure out who actually lives here. This is one of the first, this comes right after the whole solitary golf course storyline. So it's really a two for two of really good Hurley things that set right. up just how good of a leader he's going to be. He decides to do the census. He takes the flight manifest. Uh, and so this is where like Hurley begins figuring things out. Uh, and meanwhile, Charlie's trying to essentially help Claire through some really tough stuff, including the fact that she begins to have contractions. And this is where like she reveals everything that happened with her. I think this is where Charlie reveals that he is a drug addict as well, or like a recovering drug right. addict. But she's having problems. And she basically says like, hey, go get Jack. Charlie finds Ethan and says like, okay, yeah, go get Jack. And Ethan does not go get Jack. In fact, it ends with, uh, you know, a whole calamity of events where Saeed ends up wandering back into camp uh, after escaping Rousseau's bunker in solitary and talks about the others. It happens that Hurley happens upon us and says, oh, yeah, there's one name of someone who actually was not on the flight manifest. Cut to Ethan Rom himself standing very darkly and very sinisterly in front of Claire and Charlie as they are about to be kidnapped and undergoing a whole lot of bad stuff to come. Hello there. Yeah. Uh, a great ending here for, uh, for raised by another that probably raises it to some measure. Um, it would have been in the seventies, uh, no matter what, uh, according to the listeners would have been 78. So, oh, wow. uh, it ends up going a little bit higher uh, for the average score. We've officially crossed the 3.5 threshold. Um, so every episode from here on out from 69 to zero, Mike is going to be a three, five or higher, uh, which speaks volumes about certainly our lost biases, but we would argue <laughs> that lost is pretty great. Yeah. So this episode, I don't know, maybe I would rate this a little bit higher. Like, I remember really liking the census storyline. It's a fun, lighter Hurley B-plot, but also gives us some great, like, fantastic ensemble aspects of season one of Lost that is really original flavor and I love so much. Yeah. And the ending is such a powerhouse. The ending is excellent. The ending yeah. is just super, super, super good. The, just the entire segue of like finding out about the others in episode nine to Ethan kidnapping them in episode 10 to like him being the crap out of Jack and truly showing how dangerous he is in episode 11. Just so high octane, like the first big antagonist of Lost besides the monster, which was a bit more ubiquitous. I will say maybe the rest of the stuff around it is fine to pretty good. I remember liking the Claire flashback, but maybe it's just like the Richard Malkin stuff is so murky and odd that it doesn't hit as much as it could have yeah i mean 
ultimately Richard Malkin is kind of an unsatisfying character. He's like a fun flavor note for a while of what's up with the psychic. Uh, and then he's just outed as a fraud and we mm-hmm. never really close the loop there. Uh, so, you know, there's something to be learned from that uh, of, uh, you know, the let the mystery be elements of of Damon Lindelof's storytelling and of Lost specifically uh, if you're trying to walk away from this thing with positive feelings about the show. Uh, but I also think it's like a, it's something of a mystery that people got invested in that didn't have like a big payoff answer. Uh, so I think when you go back and you look at Richard Malkin, maybe he just doesn't hit quite right for for some in the audience. I get that. I think that that's not unfair. Um, we talked about Ray Mullen in this episode, I guess. So we've got another Ray Mullen in the Ray Mullen count. 14 episodes of the of the 42 we've discussed thus far. Yeah, but I would imagine, though, if we just counted by the number of times we said his name, it would be a lot more because I kept accidentally calling Richard Mulkin Ray Mullen, which, yeah. listen, Darlton, why did you give two Australian men nearly the exact same names? You know, it happens. What are you going to do? Uh, I think that it happens, uh, you know. There's multiple RMs out there. Uh, and we're certainly never making that mistake again. Uh, I think uh, Ray Mullen and Richard Malkin uh, are very individual these days in our in our hearts and minds. Uh, so uh, you also gave an MVP point to the Stewart family. Yes, uh, the people so who were going to adopt Aaron. Yeah, I remember this. This was uh, prompted a big Wiggler freak out. And initially, like the almost like an implication of you're desecrating our sacred MVP LVP system, uh-huh. which, listen, I do much worse things oh yeah on. Uh, yep. but yeah I, I remember feeling bad that like these people went through a whole rigmarole to adopt a child which is a very intensive and cost-inducive process and then the birth mother says at the last second "Nah, i'm good because the pen ran out of ink i know we're supposed to support claire here but my god i feel bad for these people yeah yeah, it's tough. It's a tough draw for them. Uh, I don't know why I was so upset back in the day. Maybe my heart is just a little more open today. But uh, I wouldn't be mad at a revisionist history MVP point to the Stewart family. Yeah, like they're not going home with a baby, but at least they're going home with an MVP point. Thomas got dumped upon by myself. Three LVP points to Thomas. Yeah, he sucked. He was one of the first characters that I think we really dumped a lot of points on. Like he is just textbook terrible. Namely, just like leaving Claire high and dry uh, Mm. with a child after promising like, no, we can do this. I'm going to take care of you. He chickens out at the end of the day. Uh, Mike, apparently we learned that a Mike Bloom type, your Twitter handle, was an anagram of ample booty, Mike. Yes. So because I think we did a little bit of like Ethan Rom stuff, Uh right? Because obviously he anagrams to other man and uh, ample booty, Mike. I apparently said in the episode I might have to change my Twitter handle to that at some point. I mean, at some point, still counts the future, so that has yet to happen, but could still be. Yeah, my uh, Twitter handle Round Howard anagrams out as Ron Howard, ud. <laughs> as if it got verbed. Yeah, Ron Howard, ud. I think that's All right. right. Well, yeah. maybe April Fool's Day 2023 will change it to our no. anagrams. No, I only have room in my mind to remember Antonio's Yankee Doodle Dandy joke and that we need to bring pneumatic tubes along for the rest of the countdown. I don't have any headspace <laughs> to remember uh, Round Howard, Ed. Uh, All right. I don't think so. Uh, previously unanswered question. This was from Daniel Brennan, who had asked us, uh, what do you think the writers were originally going for with Richard Malkin's insistence that Claire raise her baby? Ultimately, we see what happens when Claire is not raising Aaron. Everything seems mostly all right. Yeah, well, tell that to the island Claire. 
you know, I think that Claire not raising Aaron, certainly in hindsight, Mike, is a lot more about uh, it's really bad for Claire. Yeah, that's exactly it. That like her insistence that she raised the baby ends up her not raising the baby just through like coincidental circumstances. I guess it's, it's truly ironic in that fashion. Yeah, that's the thing is that it's tough to answer that question because the storyline is not complete, right? You could say, yeah, Aaron seems fine when he thinks that Kate is his mom, but like there's still a story beat that happens when they get on the plane and leave, right? That the implication is Claire is going to be in Aaron's life in some way, if not outright his mother. And so it's almost tough to feel like, oh yeah, Aaron was totally all right without Claire because I guess speaking from a psychic perspective, we don't know the entire future. We do not. Um, I think that this is another thing that they'll probably answer in uh, Lost 2 when they get to it. Yeah, I would imagine so. This would be, well, yeah, especially, I think given certain circumstances, they'd be like, no, Claire's the mother of Aaron. Kate's nowhere to be found. Don't worry about it. The end. Yeah, I think so too. Um, All right, Raised by Another. Uh, Raised by Another is clocking in at 70. I'm not mad at it. I think especially with the context of like, we're three fives and higher from now on. Like, it's competitive, you know? Uh, Anyone can go at any time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No one is safe here, except probably all of the season finales. Yeah, all the season finales are in good shape uh, for quite a while. All right, we're here. Episode 69 on the board. What is the 69th best episode of Lost? If we want to get music dance experience, 75% of the blinds, we are going to need to see Confidence Man or The Economist here, Mike. Uh, oh, uh, Emily Fox is apparently listening in on the podcast as uh, she just says, capital LOL, nice. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at over here. Uh, okay, Mike, why don't we just uh, pull off the Band-Aid? Mm. Uh, no one was injured over the course of ranking the 69th best episode of Lost, but let's pull off the Band-Aid anyway as we're going to listen to an audio clip from this and see if we can't surmise what will close out the podcast today. Oh, this is fun. We should sort of like meet in the middle. Though maybe it actually is very pertinent for this episode because you and I sort of are working with different intentions in mind, right? We have different purposes, different bosses, and we are metaphorically getting in bed together to see who will ultimately betray whom. Yeah. Uh, Show me uh, where to get a cup of coffee, please. Oh, my God. And where do I straighten my hair? I think it's perfectly great that The Economist is episode 69, by the way. I mean, there is some freaky stuff that happens with Saeed and what's-her-name in the bedroom, right? Uh, I believe it's Elsa, if I'm not mistaken. So let's yes. just confirm that, but I am almost positive. Yep, The Economist is episode 69. Nice! Yes. Uh, as Saeed uh, is going to claim uh, a new number here. He could not enter 7-7. Uh, but, but he, he could, could enter 69. He could enter 69. All right, okay, so like, here's my here's the song and dance, dance experience. Here we go. Uh, 69, 69. The Economist is 69. A pretty fine 69. And Saeed has straight hair. Is that because of Elsa got you yep. to Frozen, <laughs> yep, got you exactly. to 69 to the tune of Let It Go? Uh-huh. Well... 
you just did all of the parents with uh, <laughs> dirty senses of humor, a huge solid, uh, so that they now have a new way of listening to Let It Go for the 5,000th time. I uh, don't care <laughs> if Ben sews me up. Um, what? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he does. Okay, I thought that things just got really freaky uh, for a second here. Uh, wow, the all chopper right. go. <laughs> uh, the hair never bothered me anyway. Uh, it's The Economist coming in at the 69th best episode. Of lost three five from you a three five from me an average score of uh, just a little bit north of three five sixty uh, is where this would have ranked for the listeners. Oh wow! Uh, so even higher for the listeners. It is the fifth best Saeed episode. It's the eighth best season four episode, and I think that that is fair. Uh, I'll talk us through it because the off island stuff is really memorable. It's the revelation that Saeed is. I'm one of the Oceanic Six. Uh, he's on a golf course. He's uh, playing golf. He is a, he's a man of leisure. He's able to just do whatever he wants. And he's on a golf course with another fellow rich person uh, who turns out to be somebody connected to Widmore. And Saeed announces himself and shoots this man uh, in cold blood and then walks away. Uh, and then we're in, uh, we're in Europe. I think we're in Germany. Uh, and he mm -hmm. is going to run into this woman, Elsa, and maybe kind of sort of start the process of falling in love with her, even though he's really trying to get close to her because of her employer, the economist, who he is trying to meet. It turns out that Elsa is bad news and is a, a fellow assassin trying to suss out Saeed. And she has not fallen for him the way he has fallen for her. And after she shoots him, he is forced to, uh, what, he breaks a mirror and then shoots her? I think is how that goes down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he like sees her in the mirror, I yes. think, and then he breaks it and kills her. Yes. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, post-coitus uh, action happening in The Economist, so who's to say uh, how that all played out? Uh, but he kills Elsa, and then he goes and gets stitched up by Benjamin Linus, and that is how we discover the, the tandem reveal of oh my God, Benjamin Linus got off the island as well. And oh my God, Saeed is working for him, uh, which is a huge twist because Saeed hates Benjamin Linus. On the island, um, we are getting this whole storyline where Saeed and Kate and Miles are marching off to New Otherton to make contact with the John Locke group because they're trying to figure out what's going on with Ben. Uh, and Saeed walks away with having made the trade of Miles for Charlotte, um, mm -hmm. and uh, Kate stays behind, and I think that they do the rocket experiment here with Daniel yeah. Faraday. Yeah, this is the, like, oh, the 30-minute the delay or whatever between the rocket being fired off and arriving, the payload arriving yeah. on the island. Yeah, uh, the payload lands here for sure, uh, and uh, the numbers are strange in this one as well because uh, the, the timing is not quite right. Uh, I think that we didn't love the fact that Hurley gets involved in like this uh, runs this con on Saeed and Kate and everybody in the in the whole switcheroo that he just leans in. Yeah, well, to is the it, isn't but it, I think that we, like uh, Hurley's in the closet, right? He's yeah, 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 yeah. Nap. I don't think we loved that from Hurley, like going along with that and tricking his friends. But I think we also loved that Hurley now suddenly had that gear in him that he'd been out here this long that he could run that kind of con 
on someone like Saeed. Uh, so it was like a double-edged sword of what we liked and what we didn't like about that. So that's effectively The Economist. Uh, I think a totally fine landing point for an episode that is definitely really fun and uh, a great example of how often in season four, I feel like the off-island stuff is the best stuff. Yeah, so I know that probably one big reason why it would be 60 is because of a frequent listener and essayist Riley puts this as a 4.2 and like really vehemently believes that he really, really loves this episode of Lost in particular, that it just really hits a sweet spot for him. I think it's overall a solid episode. I think watching Assassin Saeed is always really, really fun during the brief time that he spends off island. Uh, to see his involvement with Ben is also a little bit of a what ending that I really like finding out a little bit more about during the time that we spend off island as well. And, you know, to have Saeed go through the typical routine, right, of like, letting romance almost get in the way of doing something really deadly. It's a tale as old as time with him and to have him sort of falling into those similar, similar beats in a different scope is not the strongest, but still really familiar to the character. And on Island, you know, we spend a lot of time with team lock here uh, team locket, if you will. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, I do like ultimately trading Charlotte for miles because I think site says like miles is annoying. And Frank's like, oh, I can't argue with that. Let's go off the Island. Yeah. So it's a bit of a come down from the previous two episodes in season four, but it's a, a big step up from egg town. And then we go into the constant as well. So I think it's fairly solid. If not, I would say a little unmemorable, uh, you know, this is in like the bottom half of season four, and it's it's understandable why it sort of rates here, where I don't think it's too bad that people will just like rate it down for certain scenes that happen, but I don't think there's anything completely incredible about it. So it landing right around 3.5 makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, we talked about your hair in this episode. Why? Because of uh, Saeed straightening it, I think. Yeah, so this was uh, a picture that is, if you are a patron of uh, uh, Post Show Recaps and you are a member of the Discord, you get an exclusive emoji of myself with, I think it's Beatles hair is what we've coined it, where one night I straightened my, uh, my freshman year of college big Jufro into just a big mop top and it looks absolutely horrendous. So... Feel free to check out that picture firsthand by becoming a member of Posha Recaps patron. Yes. Uh, so that's a really great emote. You called this episode a tale of two Saeeds, Mike. Oh, that's fun. That would have been a fun take on like the what Kate did, what Kate does of the mm -hmm. season three premiere. I gave an LVP point to Minkowski because nobody wanted to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, because I, I believe it's uh uh it's it's what's her name Regina maybe yeah uh, yeah is is the one that like uh, Daniel Radio is Minkowski's like yeah put Regina on so like poor Minkowski nobody wants to talk to him because he's so addled at this point. Yeah, uh, that's sad for Minkowski though. Uh, and we talked about whether or not the start of season four was slow. And I was starting to come around to the idea that it wasn't. Um, I think in hindsight, uh, just like thinking about what happens, things are happening, uh, you know, in a short period of time, for sure. You know, things yeah. are happening like quick in that capacity. Um, but what I may have been feeling at the time, I, on this side of it, I am maybe feeling a little disconnected from again. Um, you know, that'll happen. Uh, yeah. Lost me see where it's you are. It's tough because the on-island stuff is, especially when it comes to, like, Confirmed Dead and The Economist and Eggtown, it's a lot of just, like, switching people 
right? Of like, okay, you go over here and you go over here. And then these people arrive and they go over here. Then these people switch places here that it just feels a lot of like trekking across the island back and forth during those three episodes. But then like once we get to the constant, even though we dip immediately back down into the other woman, it does feel like we're firing on all cylinders. And part of that is obviously spurred along by the writer strike of we have many, much fewer episodes than we initially thought that we did. But for what it's worth, I still think, again, The Economist has some intriguing stuff, namely, as you mentioned before, getting to see what Saeed is doing and like the even darker future that he's gone down than his dark past. Yes, indeed. Uh, we had previously undiscussed feedback from this one uh, from Beth, who had written in and said, I love undercover stories like this. I remember how I felt when we found out that it wasn't just Saeed who was undercover, but Elsa as well. When a couple in these kinds of stories appear to fall in love, it makes you wonder what was real and what wasn't. Saeed's face shows that he is resigned to kill her, even though it does seem that he regrets having to do it and is genuinely upset when she's dead. Mike, do we get any kind of indication at all from Elsa that she feels not great about all of this having to happen? It, I don't think so, but I think it's tough because we don't see things from her perspective, right? Even though they try to present things quote-unquote objectively, the flashbacks and flashbars are in and of themselves centric on that one specific character. Mm. And so you have to kind of have the implication that we're seeing things through their eyes, right? That happens with a lot of Jack stuff when he's getting really paranoid about Sarah and his dad. I feel like they purposely heighten those mysteries around it to like make us feel sort of in the passenger seat alongside Jack's kooky ride. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like from what I remember, The Economist doesn't really show it, but I don't know if in quote unquote reality, the reality of the scene, if she wasn't expressing feelings or she could just be really good at what she does. It's possible. It's possible. Mike, the time has come uh, to uh, to list all of the episodes that have been ranked so far. Are you ready? Always. All right, here we go. The worst episode of Lost, according to Down the Hatch, is Fire Plus Water. In 110, it's Stranger in a Strange Land. In 109, it's whatever the case may be. 108, it's Adrift. 107, Bottom 5, Baby Across the Sea. 106, What Kate Does. 105, Further Instructions. 104, The Other Woman. 103, Recon. 102, Bondo Run. 101, The Package. Thank you. 100, A Very Special Episode. A 99-cent Nothing Burger, The Glass Ballerina. 98, Left Behind. 97, Yon Eggtown, Baby. The Yolk's on You. 96, Dave. 95, Meet Kevin Johnson. 94, Is Abandoned. 93, The Greater Good. 92, Homecoming. 91, Is Every Man for Himself. 90, is the moth 89 is hearts and minds and turtle power 88 what katie kate did 87 par avion 86 everybody 86 is hugo 85 the whole tooth 84 the last recruit 83 maternity leave 82 namaste 81 everybody loves arm the sauce man 80 is ooh and found 79 sundown 78 tabula rasa 77, Dr. Linus, 76, Air Horns, one of us, 75, something nice back home, 74, I'm coming outside, <laughs> a little bit of a Schwarzenegger for you, this is Collision, uh, 73, you want me to just be yelling, Doc, it's D-O-C, 72, I 70 do, 71, <laughs> <laughs> 71 or should i say 70 from it's three minutes 70 raised by another and 69 the economist nice those are the episodes as ranked by the hatchlings uh for uh lost through uh placement number 69 mike wow it feels like so this is what i think our 10th installment of this 
Yeah, this is round 10, baby. Wow. And look how so mm -hmm. much we've covered so much ground, but much like the island, we still have so far to go. 68 episodes are left. We've got a lot still to do here. We're not quite halfway through. Uh, so we've got plenty of episodes still to discuss. Um, some lingering leftovers this time around. Confidence Man, do we feel confident that that's showing up here pretty soon? I have to imagine so. It's it's in the three sixes, much like Raised by Another got a three six as well. So I, I think it's got to be, I would not be surprised if it's the very first thing we end up talking top of mind next time. Okay, uh, so we'll say uh, confidence adult baby showing up uh, next week. Uh, yeah, uh, so that might be on the list. Uh, that's what the smoke monster sounds like. Uh, what are we going to see in the two through four spots? So uh, if, something that was instructive to me, Mike, about the three minutes placement was the huge gulf between our scores, uh, mm -hmm. the 3.8 to the 3.2. Uh, and how influential that was because three minutes would have done better with, um, you know, the if you were closer to the audience, it seemed like. So what are some other examples of us having a little bit of a gulf that might make the difference as we're sort of in this zone where things are really, really hairy? Uh, there's a, a point three difference in House of the Rising Sun. No, uh, no, I, I'm going to throw one on there. I think there's a very good chance we're going to Jeremy Bentham sure. next week. Okay, uh, Jeremy Bentham I, could be in the mix. I mean, you gave it the same score. You gave three minutes of a 3.8. I gave it a 3.3, which is only a smidge higher than the 3.2 I gave three minutes. That is a very polarizing episode, but yep. weighing my score in, I would not be surprised if we saw it next week. Another one that I think could be coming up here soon is The Hunting Party, uh, which I am oh, a yeah. lot higher on than you. I'm a 3.9 on The Hunting Party. You're a 3.5. Uh, so if uh, past is prologue, I think that the uh, the three minutes um, situation could bode poorly for the hunting party next week. I don't know. I think we'd see an episode like GE on before we see the hunting party. You know, I'm just I'm just looking for episodes that are still in like that three, five, three, six, six range. So like, I know we keep throwing out these two season five episodes, but I feel like we've got to see either the lie or this place is death or both at some point next week. Uh, there's a chance we might see something like what they died for, which if we're talking a golf, I have it a three, four and you have it a three, seven. So we might not knock another ultimate episode. Oh before. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at getting a season six episode here pretty soon. I think that that's a good call. Uh, I'm going to put the hunting party in the running here anyway. There's a, so I think we've got like six that we're looking at right now. Confidence man, Jeremy Bentham, the lie, this place is death, what they died for and the hunting party feels like at least one of those will come off the board next week. Yeah. And I would say maybe thrown as a seventh. Ooh, in translation. Oh. Be, yeah. I would be saddened to have Jin's uh, first episode show back in there. I know uh, Jim Fells would certainly be unhappy as well. More unhappy than he was uh, in reaction to the finale of from, but sure. considering that it, in both sports three sixes there's a good chance it might show up too do you think uh we need to consider Yeon as well then yeah i think let's put it on there at let's, least to think about to let's you know, be prepared to start killing yeah. off kwan episodes okay so let's consider it next week it's going to be uh episodes 68 through 65 as we continue our way through the 60s mike uh if you're enjoying down the hatch and if you want to get access to these episodes early uh sign up for the post show recaps patreon by going to patreon.com slash post show recaps at any level you get access to the post show recaps patron podcast feed which includes early 
early access of Down the Hatch two days earlier than everybody else. Uh, also a great Down the Hatch community in the Poster Recaps patron Discord. Uh, so if that sounds interesting to you, patreon.com slash recaps. In the meantime, you can send feedback to us down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com. You can also tweet at us at postshowrecaps, at Round Howard, at a Mike Bloom type. Uh, thank you to the Behind the Curtain team and Operation mm-hmm. Mattingly, as always. And once again, happy birthday to April. Um, Mike, uh, I would love to ask you what else you have going on uh, after having a little bit of a, a shorter spell with your post-show recaps payload. Uh, you are uh, now in the thick of a really fun new post-show recaps podcast that you can tell everybody about. Yes, now the secret is out. The cast list has been posted. I am locked and loaded. Josh, I'm happy to say that I am part of a team that is covering Barry, which is an HBO series starring Bill Hader, Henry Winkler, Stephen Root, Alex Kerrigan, etc., etc. It is on HBO. It is coming back for a season three after a good portion away. It did its first season in 2018 and its second season in 2019. I'm trying to remember if that was pre down the hatch. It was, it was March to May, 2019. So that also predates down the hatch. That's how long it's been since Barry has been on air, but finally it is coming back on April 24th. Barry is a really dark, funny, dramatic, brilliant show. It's a half hour quote unquote comedy on HBO that stars Bill Hader as the titular Barry, who is a hitman who ends up falling in love with acting and trying to make his way out of the crime world and the jobs of killing people to become a professional actor. And it is just as ridiculous as it sounds. And Josh, believe it or not, there is a lost connection with Barry. Ooh, what's that? So Elizabeth Sarnoff, uh, who has written many, many episodes of Lost, uh, including many episodes that we have previously talked about, is a writer on Barry. She has penned two episodes of it, uh, both the penultimate episodes. Uh, I know that I'll get into the podcast that we just did. We talked about the penultimate episode of season one, which is arguably the best episode of the season. So like very, very good, uh, very, very good skills that Elizabeth Sarnoff is strutting. So again, if if you want to follow the lost writers and performers onto other projects, that's a little bit of connective DNA there as well. But As I mentioned before, I'm not alone. Of course, you need two people to operate the hatch-like machinery that is a podcast. And I'm really excited to welcome this one. And this might also be a familiar name to those of you that are especially affiliated with the Discord community in post-show recaps. Deidre Lipsicus, uh, who has written in many times on Down the Hatch, uh, someone who we reference often, I'll kill you, is something that Barry Berkman says often to his uh, hit targets. She, alongside April, the co-host of uh, Down the Down the Hatch Hatch, uh, the Shadow Down the Hatch podcast that may or may not exist. Right, so Deidre and myself are are co-hosting Barry coverage. This past week, if you are listening to this, that's, again, another odd term. Uh, you could actually check out there is a Barry-only feed at posterrecaps.com slash Pod, where we did a little bit of a kickoff show. We talked about our own origin stories with the show. We talked about just a general spoiler-free overview about what the show is about. So if any of you are fancying in being like, I've never watched the show before, what can I expect from it? We give you a little bit of a primer before getting into a season one recap to catch everyone up about what happened Four years ago, feels like ages ago, when Barry Season 1 first aired. We're going to be doing a Season 2 recap podcast this coming Monday. And then on Mondays throughout, episodes air on Sunday. The next day, we'll be putting out episodic recaps. I'm 
very excited about that. Uh, Deidre is just like taking to it like a mermaid to water. And no so shock. If- yeah, and so if she's, you're a fan- she's super funny, and her TV takes are really, really fire. So uh, totally unsurprised that she's killing it on the podcast. Yeah, she does not miss, much like Barry Berkman. So if you are interested in that show, if you know of the show, or if you're a newbie, be sure to check that out. That that is what's going on. Outside of that, I appeared on the Bridgerton podcast this past mm-hmm. week with the Dark Walk, talking season two, episode five of Bridgerton. I talk about how I recently fell in love with the show, and I talk about. An episode that uh, I mean, might be the closest to number 69 out of many episodes Whoa. of Bridgerton. Well, actually, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's another episode that, like, quite literally goes there. But uh, okay. this is an episode that is, like, very steamy, I will uh-huh. say. Like, very, very titillating. So, really happy to join the, the Dark Walk on that. In addition to all the other reality TV stuff I do. But I'm happy to get the, the, the scripted TV mower humming again in time for summer where there's even more stuff to come so much you're going to be very busy here very soon we already talked about how we're definitely going to be doing stranger things so we're going to the upside down here uh not terribly long from now so if you are uh, always looking for more mike bloom in your ears as i always am you're going to be very happy here on post show recaps um mike anything else I am really excited to keep going through with this. I mean, we're starting to approach the halfway point of this entire project, Josh, and it it makes me feel a certain way. It feels like we've been doing this for ages, but I've had a great time. It's great. Yeah, going through all of these random lost news tidbits, talking about the episodes, reminding ourselves to talk about pneumatic tubes, Mm -hmm. singing singing the Super Mario Brothers Super Show theme show song and everything in between. I I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, uh, let me just quickly jot down uh, a note here in our um, uh, don't forget to mention pneumatic tubes. Uh, I'll have at the end of the wrap up. Don't forget to mention pneumatic tubes. Uh, so hopefully we won't forget to mention pneumatic tubes moving forward. This is going to be a memento style thing where you wake up and see pneumatic tubes written on your forearm and sharpen. You're like, what it's the like, hell happened? What, is, what happened? Yeah. Uh, my memory is going through the pneumatic tube. Nemento. All right. Shut it down. Doesn't get better than that. All right. We'll be back next week with more Down the Hatch, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. 
Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.